0: It is the word of Landrew. Joy to you friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek of M's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things you don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew or Landrew, I'm the TOS Editor for Network. With me today is my co host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey Mike. Hey. How's
1: things? They're going okay. I got to see a new Kevin Smith movie this week. Doesn't get much better than that.
0: Oh, yeah, how was that?
1: It was amazing. They okay. turn they turn the Mac guy into a walrus, and it's messed up, but it hilarious. It sounds like it
0: is messed up.
1: Yes, but it's also hilarious. So definitely
0: check it out. O- okay. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about Kevin Smith movies. That's your your other podcast. If Max will let you talk about it, <laughs> I mean that's not. your other other podcast. Yes, but this one we talk about the original series in all of its various forms and functions. This will be the part three. In in my favorite series besides uh, commentary, which is a, a comics comparison where we compare the uh, the JJ verse IDW Star Trek ongoing comics that are based on particular episodes, and uh, compare them to the original series episode on which they're based, and kind of compare them and contrast them, not necessarily see which one's better, but to see if they if they have the same moral or if or if. Maybe Nero's incursion has affected more than than just what we see in the movies. Uh, this week is Operation Annihilate, mm-hmm. which has an exclamation point. And if you ever spell it without the exclamation point and the two dashes between Operation and Annihilate, uh, I will come after you. Yes, he will. But no curved E's. There are no curved E's in these titles.
1: No, I was going to add that, but
0: I forgot. No, Well, especially in the first season, they used a completely different font than, right. than the Star Trek font.
1: Of course they did.
0: What's interesting to me is that, that this is the the third in the comics series, and you think if you're going to rip off stuff that's already existed, you wouldn't immediately skip to the last episode of the first season.
1: Yeah, it really seems like they're not concerned about even going in order on these things they're kind of pulling out. I mean, I can see like, it's like where no man has gone before was the first adventure for Kirk and, and, and whatnot. So it makes sense to make that as the first adventure here. But after that, I think that they, they really were just kind of like, what's a good story? And I don't know, did have they gone in order
0: or not? Have they no. ever deviated from the order? No. So Because the next one after, the next set after this one is Vulcan's Vengeance. Which doesn't uh doesn't take off an original series episode. Although you could and then the one I... after that is Return of the Archons, which is which is well before Operation Annihilate.
1: Yeah. Annihilate so... Although you you could theoretically say I mean I I have to look at it again while reading it, but like with Vulcan's was it Vulcan's Vengeance, is that what it was? mm mm-hmm. Um like I was kinda of thinking like, Oh, is this their version of um Balance of Terror? Like, oh. thematically speaking. Like, I think that you can do that. Like, they do the red shirt one, and that's their version of... Uh, what is it? Is it the... The apple. Yeah, the apple. Right? So, right. I think that we can... I think with all of them, you know, just like Countdown to Darkness was their version. Countdown. No, no, no. After no. Darkness.
0: After Darkness is a mock time.
1: Right. So, I think we could do. I think for the next one, I don't know. We'll have to read it again just to see. But I think we could do a comparison between Balance of Terror and Vulcan's Vengeance. Well, that would be interesting. I don't know. We'll read it and see. Maybe it doesn't okay. up,
0: so. So stay tuned for that, whichever one that'll be.
1: But in regards to what you were saying, I think, you know, it is kind of cool how, and this is a prime example of it, or, I'm sorry, a JJ example of it, um, where <laughs> we're, we're not seeing... Um, they they look at the original series episodes and they see thematically what it is that works and 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 like an element that can be used and they pick that in order to explore like a different side of it so mm-hmm. yeah and and that's pretty cool so we'll get into that i'm sure very soon
0: to start off the the first thing that i have to bring up is the first the first thing is a flashback to young kirk uh, immediately after he drives his dad's car off a cliff, getting in trouble with his Uncle Frank, who is his mom's brother that they live with, is who's helping to raise him, after his older brother runs away, which isn't necessarily in the movie. The movie implies that it's Kirk's... It's, it's Jim's stepdad that's upset at him stealing the car, uh, while the comic adaptation of the movie and the deleted scenes and the novelization show that it's his uncle yeah. so i'm I'm wondering how i mean these comics are supposed to be canon even though in into darkness the biggest thing for me in into darkness kirk says i've not lost anybody and he loses a bunch of people in the comics does he well uh, maybe
1: i don't know i can't think he definitely of... doesn't lose anybody does, does he, he loses someone in the comics I guess Gary Mitchell and stuff.
0: Well, he does lose Gary Mitchell. Exactly. There we go. That's the big one. Mm -hmm. I've not lost anybody except my best friend. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's true. So it feels like the comics fits in with the comic adaptation, which is pretty much spot on with the movie, except for the the whole stepdad uncle thing.
1: I don't know. But do they say anywhere that it's his stepdad, or is that just the implication? I mean, like, what was in the deleted scene? Was it
0: his uncle? Then In the lead of the scene, it was his uncle, but then when they cut that out and they got Greg Gungberg to do the voice on the phone, by that point, they had decided that it was just his stepdad.
1: Yeah, right. Wait, so do they say it's his stepdad
0: in the movie? I don't. I didn't bother to check okay. because I didn't check.
1: <laughs> All right. I was just curious if that was just sort of like what people were assuming or if that was actually what was there.
0: Either way, it's interesting that that this comic goes off of deleted scenes. Um, For those who don't know, uh, in the deleted scenes, Kirk's... In the deleted scenes for the the actual film, Star Trek 2009, uh, Kirk's older brother, George Samuel Kirk Jr., says he can't be a Kirk in this house, and he runs away from home. And he's the boy who's hitchhiking when Jim Kirk drives by in the sports car, and why Kirk is like, woohoo. Like, mm-hmm. kind of bragging to him that, you know, I could be a Kirk in this household yeah. by crashing this car. <laughs> so Kirk's older brother runs away from home is the uh, the the big takeaway from that.
1: Yeah. And obviously this scene that starts the movie is the aftermath of that first scene in Star Trek 09. nine.
0: First scene of the comic. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> That's fine. But uh once the comic gets back to uh the Modern time, Not the modern times. You know, Star Trek times. Yes. (laughs) The 23rd century. The teaser is pretty much identical. Yeah, it is. Almost word for word. Except for Kirk knows that his brother... TV Kirk knows that his brother is stationed on Deneva. While comic Kirk has no idea what happens to his brother. Spoilers, his brother shows up. Mm -hmm. Which I'd forgotten about. I was just like... (gasps) Oh <laughs> I was reading the comic <laughs> this weekend, I was like, wait a minute, cool. Yeah. The the only real difference uh on all these bridge shots is that Scotty's not on the bridge or on the away team, which he is in the show. So it's like it's like comic version of Simon Pegg was busy that week. Well he's
1: still in it. He's still in the He comes
0: up later. Yeah.
1: I guess it makes more sense. I mean, I guess they figure, well, they've got Chekhov on the bridge and they need to give him something to do since he wasn't in the original episode. Mm-hmm. And then when they beam them down to the planet, I mean, I guess they figured, well, why would Scotty go down there?
0: Yeah. And really, they don't explain why Scotty goes down there. Yeah. Because they were paying him and decided to let him walk around the, what is that, Century City or that's some, somewhere else?
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it was cool looking. I was like, where did they find this place? And I think a lot of those weird sculptures in the middle were just a playground. It's kind of what it looked like.
0: Yeah, I, I get that feeling too. Another difference that I was hoping that the, the comic would would pick on was in, in the episode, the population is trying to warn them away, like, get out of here, get out of here. And they're like being violent, you know, trying to get them to leave before they get infected. While in the comic, they just shout, intruders, intruders. Yeah. And, I was hoping that was kind of a, I don't know, maybe somehow in the comic, uh, they are more taken over than than in the TV show.
1: They never really explained that because they even make a big deal out of like they kept on saying one word, intruders, and but they didn't right. like explain like why they did that or anything. It's it's really sort of I I kept on waiting for them to come back to that, um, but they they didn't.
0: But then it it picks up back up. They hear a woman scream, and in the TV show it's Kirk's sister-in-law, and in the comic it's some random woman who then begs for them to kill her, which which reminds me a lot of Aliens. Yes, and and you know the whole infected, you know like don't, which I guess they are in a lot of pain if they don't obey. But I mean, it's not like they're gonna burr the host that's gonna eat them or anything.
1: No, but I could still see. I mean, yeah, like if you watch the the episode, you know, when when Kirk's sister in law is up there, I mean, she's definitely screaming in agony before she dies. So mm. I could see that.
0: the The comic cuts out like beaming the survivor back up, which they start to do in the comic, but then they get uh, attacked by the the parasites. But the TV show has enough time to beam up Kirk's sister and have a conversation with her. And they immediately, uh, she tells them basically the whole plot about the parasites, and they come from planet to planet, and they're all you know forcing us to do stuff for them, or we're in extreme pain. Everything that I guess they assume. No, no, the Kirk's brother ends up explaining it to them later, in the comics. Spock is immediately infected, like as soon as they in the comics. Uh, you know, there's no beaming up and back down and up and back down and up and back down like there is in the TV show. The comics, they beam up Kirk's brother, then Kirk's brother beams down, and then they chase him down, and that's it. They keep showing themselves to infection in the TV show.
1: Yeah, in, in the comic, uh, they kind of merge the, the Kirk's sister in law story with Spock's story, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's like, this is the last we see of that woman, essentially, here in the comics. But then a lot of the stuff that they learn from studying her when she's back on the ship is stuff that they learn from studying Spock when he's back on the ship.
0: Hmm. Now, an interesting thing to me is is that Kirk's brother saves them from uh, the population, the crazed population, and they beam him back up. And it turns out that his name is George Kirk, just like his dad. So I had to look this up, because in the show, his name's Sam. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know where this fits into book canon, because I had to go to Memory Beta to read more about it, but uh, his brother is George Samuel Kirk Jr. Mm-hmm. So in the universe where his dad is still alive, he goes by Samuel, and in the universe where his dad sacrificed himself, he goes by George. And I can see that, not that... That is acceptable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was confused by that too, but it does make sense. Yeah.
0: But it's also confusing for people who don't bother to look that up because in the JJ verse, we know George Kirk. We met George Kirk. In the TV show, we never learn his name. So here in the comics, we're just like, oh, we'll call him George again. But it's not his dad, obviously.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, the more confusing thing is like, how does he have a different brother now? You know? That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> what happened to Sam? And why is this brother on the planet? That's weird. But yeah. why
0: doesn't this brother look like William Shatner with a mustache?
1: Yeah, this brother looks like Thor, straight
0: up. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I don't get is where is George Samuel Kirk Jr. during the Kelvin incident? Oh, He's back at home, right? Yeah, why? I mean, if they're gonna bother to be married and already have a kid. And get pregnant and not have shipped her back to Earth to have the baby, why wouldn't they have their kid there?
1: No, but they're going to ship her back to Earth to have the baby. We know this because that's what happened in the original continuity. She she went into labor early because of the trauma caused by the attack. Okay. So she was going back home and And she was going to have the kid back in Iowa. But then...
0: This is Star Trek Federation that explains this, like fits it into the canon?
1: Well, we know that he was born in Iowa, right? Right. So, I mean, there's that. He's like, no, I'm from Iowa. I just work in outer space. So, I I mean, I don't remember exactly where I heard this, but I mean, that they definitely did talk about how, like, because of the Calvin, or because of the Calvin uh, attack, or attack on the Calvin, whatever, he was born prematurely, which is why he was born in space instead of Iowa. So the plan was for her to go back home to Iowa to have the kid there, which is probably where Sam or George or whoever you want to call him is as well, maybe living with the uncle, who knows. You Hmm. know,
0: I can see that. Okay.
1: But, I mean, I guess we also know from the original series that at this point in time they didn't have families on board ships, right? Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would have been a little weird. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Kelvin. Maybe they decided in the Prime Universe not to have kids around because of George Kirk Junior. <laughs> oh, no, that could be too. <laughs> maybe he. Yeah. Maybe he broke stuff.
1: Yeah, but he. No. Okay. 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 I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I thought you were saying like because of the attack they were like no Whoa, no no, this no. Is right. too dangerous okay no gotcha yes yes
0: no I'm just saying like the same incident. The, but the, the kid the kids cause
1: the, the, the havoc, which right. which is what forces them to Because like in an yeah. alternate reality, like one of the kids like pushes the button. Like like that that <laughs> kid from Next Generation who thinks that he hit the wall panel and that's what caused the accident that killed his mom or whatever. Like that actually um, did happen. Right like pre original series. Which is why they don't have kids on it, because they have the little pushy buttons there. But now That they had developed the L-cars. They were like, okay, now the proper safety measures are in place and we can bring the kids back on. And we don't have to fear for our lives.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, because it doesn't help that in in TOS, you know, the the buttons look like jelly beans.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So the kids, you know, pulling off buttons and trying to eat them. Mm -hmm. And then her can't open hailing frequencies because she can't tell which green button is which. Yep. Yep. Disaster. I see. Yes. So, comic brother, uh, George Kirk Jr., reveals that he has a wife and son that Jim Kirk doesn't know about, and he beams himself back down, and then everybody goes after him and stuff. One thing that I wanted to point out that, I mean, probably, again, was was cut for because it's a comic book and you've only got so many pages, but uh, in the episode, Spock gets infected. He flips out, and he breaks out of sickbay and tries to take over the ship immediately you know like giving into the parasite until he can learn to control the pain but comic book spock is immediately just like i've totally got this you guys and he's just completely fine which you'd think it would be the opposite that the spock that is raised more vulcan because i feel that tv spock is half vulcan half human and that movie spock is half human half vulcan and that I feel like he lets his emotions bubble up more. So it's interesting to me that, and I'm sure it doesn't mean anything, and I'm sure that the comic wasn't trying to say something with this, but it's interesting to me that uh, comic Spock was able to immediately suppress these emotions.
1: Yeah, I think that this was more of a case of um, just sort of like what was needed for the story, you know, and that, Hmm. that kind of like speaks to the big difference between the episode and the comic, whereas the episode is really about Spock And it's kind of like almost a mini version or maybe a larger version of the end of Wrath of Khan, you know? No, a mini version um, of the end of Wrath of Khan where Spock, being the logical person, is sacrificing himself for the greater good and, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But with the comic, that's really not what this story is about. That's sort of the B plot and the A plot is Kirk and his brother. You know, mm-hmm. which is just a throwaway thing in this one, which is really weird in the episode, how it's you know,
0: insane it like, in the episode he
1: died. I hope my nephew is okay, oh, but thank God, Spock can see because that's what's really important here yes
0: the the episode ends with uh, let's make fun of Spock, yeah, <laughs> and really, it should be, oh, thank God that my nephew is still alive
1: they should have they should have had exa- it should have played out exactly as it did with them making fun of Spock and then Spock just turning to uh, Kirk and being like too bad about your brother though huh you know <laughs> or something i mean just like that it's just so weird i mean kirk i he was real i don't know what happened to him in the prime universe but you can tell that he does not care i mean there's that whole thing which i always bring up which always just annoys the crap out of me in star trek 5 where he's like i lost a brother once i was lucky that i got him back it's like yeah what about your real brother who died <laughs> a horrible death that you never got back or mentioned again
0: for the rest of your life or your nephew that you've never mentioned again yeah. I'm not saying that, that I want, like, a Wesley. No. Little little baby Kirk running around. Peter? Peter's his name. Yeah. Peter Kirk running around pushing buttons. Right. We just established we can't have that.
1: No, that would be bad. But that doesn't mean that we need to ignore his existence. Right. Yeah. No.
0: Well, another thing that was interesting to me is that a TV episode Kirk gets to struggle with the decision of wiping out all the inhabitants of DeNova and coming up with a... You know, we need a third option. We can't we can't wipe him out, we can't blow him up, we need we need another option. When he doesn't he's so concerned with chasing after his brother in the comic, he doesn't really have anything to do with like solving the actual big problem. Kirk is actually the one in the episode who figures out he's like, Look, the guy flew into the sun and he was okay, maybe you guys should follow that lead, scientists. hmm In the comic, Spock and McCoy are just like Hey, the sun might be a good idea, and Spock's just like, "Yeah, I should totally figure out that I'm gonna run in here all by myself." Yeah. When it's actually a, a it's actually a, a decision between all three of them that they're gonna experiment, they're gonna do it on Spock. Right. It's interesting that that neither the comic nor the episode version of them know anything about the inner eyelid thing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of a a thing. Another another big change in the comic, which. Uh, sort of lends itself to why this this story in particular is is a good interstitial thing, you know, for the movies or whatever. Because this is kind of, I mean, we I guess we saw it a bit in Galileo Seven and stuff like that, and now we're seeing this even further. You know, Spock has essentially a death wish. You know, he's yes. very reckless, and he's like, "I'm going to do this because this is what's right." And it's like, that's yeah, you are correct in that this is, you know, the needs of the many do outweigh the needs of the few, but you're doing this for you right now. You know, you're You're doing this. You're (laughs) overdoing it. Right. You're doing this because you you are experiencing, you know, survivor guilt and and you have a death wish, you know, and they get into that. I'm I'm really glad that they actually brought that up at the end where there's the scene with... uh, Spock and, and Uhura, where she's like you need to stop this this is not healthy this yeah. is bad
0: and and, it, and I like that it does uh, this whole Spock death wish thing does tie into into darkness when yeah. she gives him essentially the same speech in in the middle of Klingon space and this it's neither here nor there
1: that thing right there you know and we probably didn't realize this when we were reading it although you know they were saying like yeah there are hints as to what's going on and i think people were like are there hints about if it's going to be Khan or whatever it's like no there's hints as to like what kind of character development is going on hints which are way more important than who random bad bad guy guy is is in the next movie and um that's the type of thing which you don't get in most expanded universe uh stuff whether it's star trek or star wars or anything star wars maybe now we will which is really cool but you know the idea of sort of like a a cohesive you know story even though there may be little you know continuity gaps like how you know whether or not anyone died under kirk's command or or that kind of thing but having this sort of like character continuity Mm mm-hmm is really beneficial and really is what makes these comics worth reading as opposed to being just throwaway stories, which they're pumping out until the next movie comes out because they need to make some sort of you know money off of this franchise, even if there isn't right. going to be anything on screen. So, yeah, I mean, not to just go all big about it, but... You know, that's one of the reasons why I, I, I love these comics and, and why I, I read these comics. Because if it was just like, two random guys are making a comic book and they don't know what's happening in the next movie either. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but hey, it's Kirk and Spock. So, hey, right? I'd be like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> I don't care, <laughs> you know? But this, this is really cool.
0: Uh, and Another thing I wanted to point out was that I, I like that the... The satellites that they deploy, the ultraviolet satellites, are the same design as the ones that they used in Remastered.
1: Oh, I totally noticed that. No oh, no I didn't.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
1: well to be fair I haven't seen Remastered, but that is super cool. I like that. Yeah.
0: Remastered adds I haven't figured out how. They they took a couple shots and like little satellites deploy out of the dock the bottom of the enterprise. And then they move into position and open up, and they look exactly like that. So it, it's a nice little nod to Rossi's work.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were probably watching that episode for for reference
0: here. I'm sure something. they were watching it on yeah. the the DVD copy that they had that was only remastered. And yeah, rewinding it and pausing it, you here I'm imagining like real to real, like this comic is so old, it's not. <laughs>
1: Did you uh notice the little moment in here speaking of continuity errors where uh Kirk is calling up to the Enterprise? Yes. And he touches his uh, little
0: he pen. beeps his he beeps his badge and it goes beep beep. It's like no.
1: Maybe maybe in the JJ verse technology has come out. Maybe that's like the uh the the commu- okay, the fine. communicator 6 plus.
0: But that's the only time that they ever use it.
1: Maybe. In the comics, in the movies. He's got the the beta version there. Okay. You know, and it didn't work. So they scrapped it.
0: Yeah, that must be it. Maybe we'll come back to this in a hundred years. Yeah. Maybe it'll work then. Right, right. (laughs) Well, it was fun talking about Operation Annihilate in the JJ-verse. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. And, like, we were so busy. I, we didn't eat, like, <laughs> all day. <laughs> I had yeah. a Red Bull around 5 o'clock, right before the Parsecs. Uh, I could feel my teeth, like, tingling. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. Earl Grey. He was robbing the Gorklech. Bo- as, a, as they say it in, a, in
1: Klingon, <laughs> yeah. I, as a Klingon word I just made up, just to see that. I think we can tell. The orb. What I also liked, too, was that Nog said, put that in there, too, to Jake, and let people decide. And that just summed up DS9 for me, because DS9 is, you know, we're not going to tell you for sure he's a bad captain, even though, obviously, I think most people would agree that he was. To the journey!
0: Oh, yeah, is reading romantic fanfic. Not everything is fanfic, okay? This yes, could be is. a legitimate author with a legitimate publisher. <laughs> no, this is Klingon Harlequin. You know it is. Warp 5. The Orions, there's something really complex going on within their society, and there's a long term struggle where the women have flipped the table on the men and how does that all play out? And it's something where I wish Enterprise had gone for seven seasons and they could have continued to revisit this and we find out more and more. The Ready Room. You know, people have seen that image. That that image in particular, just that still of her with the Desilu logo over it is really iconic. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what I discovered is it's not a still. It's probably 26 different stills. Commentary, Trek stars.
1: A number of scenes uh, from especially the end of Into Darkness, are sort of lifted and adapted from Wrath of Khan to be used in this story.
0: Lifted and Google translated into this version. Literary Trek's.
1: We all know Troy gets all the, the men that come on, the, 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 all the
0: envoys, actually.
1: You, you notice that she really likes these bad boy envoy men, you know?
0: <laughs> she does. Continuing mission How is
1: Spock changing? How is he changed from the moment he met Captain Kirk from the the, the non-Mirror Universe? What is his ultimate goal? Axonar, the official podcast. So basically, you've got this souped-up computer with this lens on the front of it. And... Um, Because the resolution has increased so much with these cameras, the amount of data coming out of that camera is enormous.
0: And join us in welcoming aboard Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm really, really glad that you mentioned Parliament Funkadelic. I could not watch this at all without thinking about George Clinton. Yeah, uh, just every
1: time he talks about going to Parliament, I'm like, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I I wouldn't want to go. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Well, if you want to contact us and share your thoughts on the comic books or on Spock or on Vulcan Inner Eyelids, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use a tab on the left-hand side column of any page to send a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit?
1: You can find me here on Trek.fm doing commentary, Trek stars uh, with Max. Uh, this week, uh, coming up on, on Friday, uh, we have uh, Larry Nemechek as our guest, and we are going to be discussing Robert Wise and his work in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Cool. Yeah.
0: I look forward to hearing that.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because we get the perspective of someone who was a Star Trek fan prior to Motion Picture and what it was like in the lead-up to Star Trek The Motion Picture as a fan and yeah. spoilers, but the parallels between Larry's experiences with Star Trek The Motion Picture and mine and I'm assuming your experiences, with Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, are very, very strange, very, very close. So be Ooh. sure to check that out because it's interesting. Excellent. You, you can also find me on uh, CommentaryTrackStars.com where uh, we do commentary track stars off topic.
0: And you can find me on
1: Twitter at Mumbles3K.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me, uh, I just did a commentary with Tisto. So you can go to Tisto.com, and you can find, that's T-Y-S-T-O. And you can find a commentary I did for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which my in-laws listened to, Hmm. having never seen the movie. Oh. Or one of my podcasts, so I don't understand.
1: It's a random, random starting point, but hey, cool.
0: Yeah, they've made an effort. I like that. <laughs> well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you every week, and that sponsor is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone?
1: Uh, well, earlier in the episode, we were talking about whether or not um, Kirk's birthplace was established in Star Trek Federation, and honestly, I don't know the answer to that. But
0: No, I meant Federation the first hundred years, but this is a good book, too.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, then, screw that, but whatever. Read Star Trek Federation, because why not? It's written by Judith and Garfield Reeves-Stevens, who, you know, they've done a ton of stuff. They're even writers oh, yeah. on Enterprise. Narrated by Mark Leonard, Sarek <gasps> himself. Um, cool. It's It's three hours and three minutes long, and the description says, Past and present collide, and the fate of the universe hangs in the balance when, at long last, one story intertwines both crews of the Enterprise. Kirk and his crew must rescue a scientist before his evil captor can use him to conquer the galaxy. While 99 years away, Picard's crew is headed for a black hole that holds the key to the future of the Federation. And you can get this book for free on Audible since you listen to Trek FM.
0: That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. There's another way you can support us, and that's by going to patreon.com slash trekfm. There you'll find the ability to uh, pledge to donate monthly. And for each step, we have like a different reward scheme that you can use. Uh, we give you access to an exclusive page on our, our project planning site where you can suggest topics for us to talk about. You can perhaps join us on episodes. There's all kinds of different things that we're excited that you can contribute and that you get stuff back. And that it costs uh, the network less to function, so uh, we appreciate that. And again, that's Patreon.com/slash/TrekFM.
1: Yeah, we need to think about what we're gonna do for our bonus content. I'm thinking maybe we should talk about some other Star Trek series. Like maybe we could have a discussion about Deep Space Nine.
0: Okay. Yeah. We could just have our own the orb. Right. The other side of the wormhole.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can call that standard orb it since you know. You guys messed it up when you were on the
0: show. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry.
1: Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Nice sir.
0: July 11, 1988, Bedford, Indiana, 8 p.m.